Welcome back to the Information Entry Podcast, where we dive into the world of science. Already starting off with a water pun, Tom. Hope you're proud of me. I'm so proud. I'm, <laughs> I'm your host, Mitchell. Alongside me is my co-host, Tom. This week, we are making a splash as we explore the fascinating world of water. Water, the essential molecules that sustains life on Earth, holds incredible secrets and properties that continue to intrigue scientists and enthusiasts alike. From its unique molecular structure to its role in shaping our planet, We'll uncover the captivating science behind this remarkable substance. You can follow us at Twitter at Information Entry Pod, Instagram Information Entry Pod, or on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your good podcasting goodness uh, and social media. If you can give us a rating, we appreciate it. It helps us. If you want to give us a critique, we don't mind. It helps us grow and be a better couple of podcasters. How are you doing today, Tom? Yeah, not too shabby, mate. You got two puns in the intro there. That's, that's good. I did, yeah, yeah. No, I did have a third, but I thought, right, I thought it was too much. <laughs> Reel it in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's, one show. that's how you do an intro, Tom, without messing up. It's one of the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> so, so before, time. I was going to say yesterday's, it'll be last week's to, to everyone else. I had yeah. to do the intro about four times because for some reason yeah. I just kept laughing. Yeah, I just couldn't, couldn't get the information entropy. No, he called it. He called it something different three times in a row, which was impressive. I think it was always honest. started with in four, and then just a wheeze, like a donkey possessed my soul, <laughs> uh, came out. And yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, how are you, mate? I'm doing doing better, thanks. Doing better. Good. My final day of work uh, before I am on holiday for two weeks. Oh, going on lovely. Going, it's gonna be good. Oh, it will be nice. Yeah, oh, hi to you. Awesome stuff. Uh, I'm going away in a bit, but not quite as exciting or sunny as as you. I don't think. No, no. He's going North Scotland. North Scotland. Look at some dolphins for a week. Just look at them. <laughs> yeah, just, just look at them from afar through some binoculars. From afar. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a dolphin. Write that down. Write that that's down. science, baby. Pretty much. That's <laughs> going to be it. Yeah. Take a photo. Do we know that dolphin? Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, we, do we know that? Yeah, that's Steve. That's Steve. Right, get his name down. Get his name down. <laughs> okay, if I get to name one, I'll name it Steve. Yeah. Just for you. Please uh, do. Then, <laughs> I'm, I'm like... Maybe I'll just name it after you. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Have you got like a, a, a Latin twang? Ah. Like Steve Nicus Deficus. <laughs> De- Deficus sounds wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I realize. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll workshop that. We'll come back to that. <laughs> Just pin it to the fridge. Come back to that later. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Uh, <clears throat> any news for us this week? Yeah, what's I did find some news. What's been going on? Loads of things, but it's, all, it's always going on in the world of science. There's never a day where there isn't science in news or science in the news or news without science. But this week's news is to water. I thought, you know, I always keep it, I've been keeping it on, on topic, on subject with the news. Um, and this week is about 5,000 deep sea animals new to science have turned up in ocean records. I saw this. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, more than 5,000 animal species previously unknown to science live in the pristine part of the deep sea. Pristine part. Well, we haven't, as humans, 
destroyed it or messed it up. Uh, their home, Yet. called the Clarion Clipperton Zone, sits in the central and eastern Pacific Ocean between Hawaii and Mexico. The zone is roughly twice the size of India and sits 4,000 to 6,000 meters deep. And it's largely a mystery, like the deep sea. That's mad. Crazy thing about it, isn't it? Yeah. Do you, do you know why they managed to discover these species? Um, what the deciding factor was to actually go down there and have a look. I, I don't know. They wanted to go mine it for oil. Oh, that's, that's and, not as... But before they do that, they have to do EIAs. So yeah, yeah. make sure yeah. they're not uh, environmental impact assessments and, and things like that. Make sure they're not disturbing too much, too much wildlife. And yeah. uh, on those trips, they discovered 5,000 new species. Mm. That's pretty yeah. wild. Does that mean they won't dig for oil? I don't know. You'd hope so. But yeah, because it's, can't it's guarantee not, that. Oh, I've seen I've got contesting news for you here, Dom. Oh. It's not it's not oil, it's cobalt and nickel. Ah, sorry. To specialize. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I, I knew it was some kind of mining thing. Uh, about a sixth of it, which is roughly a square a million square kilometers, has already been promised to companies for exploration. So it's not all of it so far, but uh a lot. Okay. Yeah, that's still mad though, isn't it? 5,000 species just discovered. You'd think we're kind of past that. <laughs> but I think that just shows how much we yeah. don't know. Like, I, I'm sure if we had like as much of a concerted effort in the rainforest, we'd, we'd find as many places yeah. that are just really uh, hard to get to. But, you know, there's not much oil in the uh, rainforest, so. No. Or nickel. Cobalt nickel. No, we just have to go to Pandora for that. Yeah, there's a, there's a good graph if you want. It. If anyone wants to go look up this information on News Online about like the the there's like a ratio of what they knew and then what they found out for each different like type of subspecies. Uh, it's actually really interesting because there's some that like they had no idea were a thing, and now like uh like lots of anleaders and anthropoda. Yes. I guess it's the, the the group term for anthropod. Yes. Um, they've found like over 1,500 of each of those, like new ones. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, big, big, he's kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal, yeah, 100%. Kind of, kind of a big deal. Um, yeah, so that is, that is it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it hasn't said if, if it's changed. I couldn't find... Um, yeah, I can't see if there's any conclusion to whether they can, like, mine now. Oh, I see. It hasn't said whether, like, due to the discovery, um, they can't mine anymore. So we'll see. Hopefully hopefully it's a no, but I guess with an area that big, they'll... They'll, they'll be like, oh, if we just restrict it to this one area, then yeah. we'll leave all the other bits and that'll be fine. It's probably how they'll spin it, I imagine. Yeah. Aye. Sad times. Sad times indeed. On to more mm. exciting times. Oh, Water. Oh, oh. What a hoot. <laughs> I was um, having this conversation last night. I was just telling people what we were going to record today. And I realized I had the opinion that I think water is more interesting than fire. Ooh, and then okay. as soon as I said that, I realized... Is that something people normally have opinions on? 
What be- <laughs> <laughs> Whether water's more interesting than fire or the other way around. Um, that, that's podcasting for you. Makes you have opinions about things you didn't realize you should. And that's pod racing. That's pod racing. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, what do you reckon? I'm, I'm going to post this question to you now. As, as a subject matter of research and discussion, are you a well, firebender or a waterbender? Um, oh, that's interesting. To be like, what, what are you more? What's more interesting to you? Yeah. Uh, I think the properties of water, you can do more with it. I think so. So get your blood bending on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Disgusting. All right. Um, have you got any facts this week to kick off the show? Uh, no, mate, I have forgotten so, as per. I, I also, it's not that I've forgotten is we, we try to combine two uh, episodes. We split them. So I didn't. Ah, no water facts then. No, no water facts for me. That's fine. Um, all right. Well, I guess we can just skip straight on into it. This will, this will be a, a fresh, a fresh sip of knowledge for you all. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> um, so what is water, mate? You're just going to throw me in the deep end, Throw you in were. the deep end. I mean, I, I can, oh. uh, I can take on the, uh, the challenge if you want. So water, it's a substance composed of the chemical elements, hydrogen, oxygen, and it exists as a thing gaseous liquid in solid states. It's one of the most plentiful and essential compounds. It's a tasteless and odorless liquid at room temperature and has important ability to dissolve any other substances. Ah, oh, yes. Solvent of life, as it is always known as. Um, what I find fascinating about water is, well, hopefully for most people, it's in their daily lives. Um, obviously not always the case and that just shows mm. where we are as a society but <laughs> hopefully for, for most people um, it's something that's fairly common and on earth it's very common but in the grand scheme of liquids and elements water's actually quite odd um, and I think the, the, the most basic thing to understand about water before and help you understand everything else we'll speak about today is hydrogen mm-hmm. bonds. So tiny bit of chemistry here to kick off the show, which, you know, I did not do well at chemistry. So I'll try my best. <laughs> so basically, water has a very funny shape. If you imagine Mickey Mouse, please don't sue me just for saying the name. Um <laughs> <laughs> He got a circle with two smaller circles at like ten and two o'clock, let's say, mm-hmm. on the on on the sphere. If you imagine oxygen is the bigger circle with the two hydrogen uh, atoms being uh, the ears, let's say, of the mouse, um, it has a very similar structure, and this allows certain interactions to happen between hydrogen atoms between molecules of water so Mm -hmm. the way that hydrogen bonds to oxygen means that there are extra pairs of bonded or 
valence electrons inside the oxygen atom, which repel each other and end up pushing the slightly less negative hydrogen around to the top of the molecule. That means you have one side of the atom, or molecule, sorry, which is positive and one side which is negative. This creates hydrogen bonds. So hydrogen bonds are a type of intermolecular force that occurs between a hydrogen atom bonded to an electronegative atom, such as oxygen. Uh, it can even happen with nitrogen and fluorine as well. Um, and another electronegative atom in a separate molecule, or sometimes even within the same molecule. And that's where things get a bit funky. But <laughs> we'll leave it in the case of water today, where hydrogen bonds form between all of the molecules. And it's primarily formed between one hydrogen of one water molecule, which is positively charged. Not really, mm -hmm. but compared to the entire molecule, more positive. And then that forms like a weak, I'm going to say magnetic, but it's not quite correct, um, link to the negative side of another water molecule. And this changes a lot of things. So... Water is polar, and what that means, it has one side positive, one side more negative. This partial positive charge on the hydrogen atom of one more water molecule is attracted to the partial negative charge on the oxygen atom of another water molecule. That's the basis of hydrogen bonding. Mm -hmm. The positively charged hydrogen atom acts as a hydrogen bond donor whereas the negatively charged oxygen acts as the acceptor. Essentially what happens when the hydrogen bond forms is the atom of one water molecule is positioned close to the oxygen atom of another water molecule. And there's, it's not like a chemical bonding where electrons and things are shared, but there's just a, enough of an interaction there that they create some sort of bond. Now, these are much weaker than any other kind of bond that we see in chemi chemistry. So if you're combining two hydrogens to a water, you know, they're chemically bonded, they're sharing electrons, and that's what keeps them together. This is just kind of like a weak electromagnetic uh, in-passing bond, let's say. They feel each other's influence. But when there are enough of them together, it creates very strong forces and a lot of the things the reason why water is how it is is because of these hydrogen bonds and this kind of weak interaction that they share between all, uh, each other um, stuff like giving uh, water its high boiling point and melting points high heat vaporization and even surface tension which is a very weird phenomenon that not a lot of liquids have unless they are water-based which is what makes it uh so odd, and I'll come on to some more odd things later, but hydrogen bonds, crazy little thing. Um, for you GCSE people out there, van der Waals forces, that'll be a key word for you that <laughs> I'd completely forgotten about until doing this kind of research again. Um, yeah, do you remember studying water in school? Uh, I was not the, the best at chemistry. That's fair. So I wasn't paying attention, probably. You're just setting stuff on fire, setting the gas taps on fire. <laughs> yeah, the Bunsen burners, mate. You know it. Yeah. Down into some ethanol. Just down into some ethanol. <laughs> <Yeah. clears 
<clears throat> oh, crazy times. Um, but I thought that was just a good basis, good place to start because a lot of the things or the reasons why water is like what it is is because of these hydrogen bonds um, and these weak interactions that form between each molecule. But, you know, apes together strong when there's a lot of them together. <laughs> apes uh, together strong. They, ha they, they have this really big effect on the characteristics of water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it. Hydrogen bonds. Easy peasy. Done. So, um, finished. Yeah. <laughs> well, what direction would you like to take this in? I've got my question for you, Tom. Oh, yes. The, the question that we mentioned last week. Yeah. Hopefully people would have had a, had a thought since I requested it last week. Yeah, you've all and had a week. Formed... We've had 12 hours. <laughs> uh, yeah, to, 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 <laughs> to make your theories, try them down, make your arguments. Okay. So... Is water wet? Um, so I had a little bit of a think about this. Yeah. And I'm still going to go with my gut reaction, which yeah. is no. So there, there we go. There's two, there's two, I've got to, I went both both sides. There's two answers to this. Um, there is the is and there is the isn't. Um, my, this, my reason for isn't. Yeah. And I want to see how close I am to what, what you've got. Would be wetness or if something is wet is how we describe something that has water in or on it otherwise it's dry or any kind of liquid really so i, I don't think water itself is wet but water on something else is what makes that thing wet it's just the the word we use to describe something that has liquid in or on it yeah, so this is the thing. So, answer one is uh, the li liquid water itself uh, is not itself wet, but can make other solid materials wet. Because wetness is the ability of a liquid to adhere to a surface of a solid. So when we say that something is wet, we mean that the liquid is sticking to the surface of that material. So that's that's wet. Yeah, okay. Um, so whether an object is wet or dry depends on the balance between the cohesive and adhesive forces. Cohesive forces are attracting forces that within the liquid that cause the molecules in the liquid to prefer to stick together. Cohesive forces are also responsible for surface tension. If the cohesive forces are very strong, the liquid molecules really like to stay close together and they won't spread out on the surface of an object very much. On the contrary, adhesive forces are attractive forces between the liquid and the surface of the two forces. So if the adhesive force, so liquids to solid, are bigger than cohesive forces, liquid to liquid, we say that material becomes wet and the liquid tends to spread out to maximize contact on the surface. On the other hand, if the adhesive forces, oh. liquid to solid, are smaller, and the cohesive forces, liquid to liquid, we say material is dry, and the liquid tends to bead up in a spherical drop and tries to minimize the contact with the surface. So water actually has a pretty high cohesive force due to hydrogen bonding, and so it's not good at wetting surfaces of some liquids, such as acetone or alcohols. However, water does wet certain surfaces like glass, for example, adding detergents can make you know, better lowering the cohesive forces. But with that, it means that water itself cannot be wet onto itself. Because, because it's a liquid. Yeah, because it's a liquid. You can't have a liquid to liquid force if they are both the same liquid. It would that makes liquid. sense. Mm -hmm. What about then? <laughs> Let's say I 
have some water in a glass and I layer yeah. some oil on top of that. Is the oil wet? Uh, no, liquid, but technically they're not touching, and they're separated, right? Technically, they're not touching on a microscopic layer. Oh, yeah, level technically, level. nothing's touching on a okay, atomic yeah, level. But, uh, like, even if you pinch okay, your fingers up, together, it's level, never technically level touching. Level one up from the atomic, <laughs> atomic level. Then <laughs> the, the hydrophobic particles means that they never, they never touch properly. Yeah, so, so they, it can't be wet. Is a hydrophobic material something that actively repels water or is it just something where the water to water cohesion is that is that the word you're using cohesive force is uh, much much stronger um or is this something i'm gonna have to whip chat gpt out for uh for for a really detailed question like that i think it would just have a really weak adhesive force Okay. Because if the adhesive force is bigger than the cohesive force, you say the material becomes wet. So if the uh, adhesive force was really low and the adhesive force was really high, it wouldn't permeate. Well, that's, that's a different thing. You're talking about being able to go through the material, whereas if those normal coatings have like a layer on it to stop the water going through... It's not. That's not a question of wetness. No, there's a there's a barrier there, so uh, those forces won't come into play. That's fair. It says here, ChatGPT is reeling off some info. The hydrophobic nature of a material arises from the presence of nonpolar molecules or structures on its surface. Yeah, nonpolar molecules do not readily mix or dissolve in water, uh, which is a polar solvent. So essentially, what this is saying is since water is polar to be able to mix with something the molecules itself need to be polar if it's non-polar then those weak hydrogen bonds cannot form and are enough to keep them separated um, and you've got stuff like surface chemistry which is hydrophobic materials that have a low surface energy meaning they minimize contact with water micro or nanostructures um, to which trap air pockets, not allowing water to, to move through, and also mm -hmm. hydrophobic coatings as well um, that are water repellent, uh, such as wax and things like that. Wax. Yeah, wax. Wax. Waxing lyrical. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's not a case of wetness and that. No, it's being repelled. Yeah, that makes sense. I've got a second answer, though. Uh, to be contrarian, you got to fight both sides. Oh, of course, in every aspect of life. Okay, yeah, yeah. So to answer this question, we define the term. We have to. We need to define the term "wet." As all all arguments, you need to work out what we have to agree on the term. And if we define "wet" as the condition of a liquid sticking to a solid surface, such as wetting our skin, then we cannot say that water is wet by itself, because it takes a liquid and a solid to define the term "wet." Right. I right, go into a different way for this. So, so if we define. Yeah, so that that's that's agreeing. So yeah. that's that's disagreeing that water isn't wet because to have wetness itself, you need a solid and liquid. Right. I just want to throw in is you can have water being wet though because if you had water that was frozen, known as ice, then you put water onto it, that ice is wet. So Ooh, that's that's the ice that's a work is wet. <laughs> that's a workaround because it's both water. Is ice it's, water? Uh, it's just yeah, it is. I would say it's the solid state of a liquid of water. Yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's that's a, that's a workaround if you if you need it. Um, but if we define wet as a sensation that we get when a liquid comes in contact with us, then yes, water is wet to us because uh, it's all to do with a sensation. If we define wet as a made of liquid of moisture, then water is definitely wet because it is made of liquid. And in this sense, all liquids are wet because they're made of liquids. Yeah. And I guess for something to be wet, water needs to be there, I guess, could be another argument along that, <clears throat> that line, right? Um, yeah. So inherently, but, water is needed to be wet. Yeah, but that's like, so, yeah, that, you can't really say that, that water is wet, though, because it needs to be there. That yeah. doesn't work. That's fair. Yeah. So that, those those are like the different, it's, there's one that's a scientific answer that it's all to do with, you know, adhesive force and cohesive forces, which I, I much prefer because there's actually science behind it and not just what, what humans can do forever, which is pontificate about the definition of the meaning of the word and then the implications on that. I hate that and annoys me because <laughs> it's all subjective. It's all yeah. relevant in time. There's no actual science of it. A bit of a... Uh abstract thinking at that point yeah which doesn't help anybody in the argument of is what work that's fair uh what i find interesting about this is as well especially when it comes to like figuring out if we are wet if our clothes are wet that kind of stuff is humans do not have receptors to detect whether we have water on us or not no, we've we've had this argument I before. Know. No, we don't have a specific organ that can tell if there's water or not, but we have other ones, so we can tell if there's water on us or not. What do you mean? It's a it's a, it's another semantic argument. It's like yeah, we don't have a like our skin doesn't have the ability to be able to detect moisture. Great, but we've got touch and temperature and that, so we can detect if things are wet or not. For sure. But all, all I mean by this, so normally what happens is it's, <laughs> if we think that we're wet, it's normally a colder temperature is basically the, the main mechanism that we go through and our sense of touch, like as, as you correctly said, depending how it spreads around, we're quite used to the, the sense of water on, on our bodies. But it's not, it can be kind of easily tricked, I want to say. Um, so if you have some clothing that's cold, sometimes it can be hard to tell whether it's actually just cold or is it wet. Have you ever experienced that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what I find interesting. It's not the fact that, oh, we can't tell what, what what's wet. It's just one of those uh, <laughs> ways to trick the body that happens, I think, more often than, than we think. It's quite easy to think, ah, oh, we're easy at detecting these things. Um, but actually detecting whether something's wet or not is just a mismatch of a few different receptors going on. And sometimes it's wrong. Especially if it's warm. Difficult to tell. <laughs> Top lip. Top lip is the, what you're supposed to do. Oh, is it top lip, is it? Yeah, it's but more sensitive to the things. So you put it to your top lip. Uh that makes sense. Yeah. My uh <laughs> she'll probably hate me for saying this. Uh, <laughs> 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 my housemate. 
<laughs> was checking to see if something was wet before and she put it on her cheek. It looked like she was using it as a phone. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So it's like, hello, ring, ring, are you wet? Hello, are you wet? <laughs> um, okay, top lip. I'll tell her next time. There we yeah, go. Yeah, top, top lip. Yeah. Like when you've got baby stuff, that's what they, they tell you to use is like top lip. Upper lip. Baby stuff? Yeah, what, like if, if the you're... baby's wet. No, if you're checking for like temperature, it's okay for ah, babies. Yes. If you can put it on your top lip and not burn you, then it's an okay temperature. Uh, that makes for sense. The baby, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Valid. Oh, cool. <laughs> valid, valid, valid points. Valid. Valid point. It tracks. It tracks. Yeah, it tracks. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else have you got on the on the docket? Uh, how do boats float? Oh, oh, float your boat. Yeah, <laughs> but it boils law. Oh no, that's the opposite, isn't it? That's sinking. What <laughs> <laughs> won't sink? Uh, it boils law to do with pressure as you go down. Yeah, so fathoms. inversely proportional. Five fathoms, Cam. Five fathoms, Cam. Oh, do you know where knots comes from? Yes, I I only learned about this the other day. Is it? It's. Oh no, I've 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 got my things confused. Isn't it like they they used to tie knots in a in the rope? Yeah, yeah. So they used to have the, this log or some floaty thing that they tie a rope to, and that every x distance, let's just say it's a, a meter or two, probably. What was it back then? Did they they didn't use meters, did they? Feet, probably feet. They do yeah. it every few feet, and then they'd count how many knots went off the boat in a certain amount of time. So they'd have a sand timer that they'd turn over and they'd be like, ah, oh, that's how many knots we're going. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, Makes and we sense. still use that now. Yeah, we're going like six knots. Uh, and if a, if you've got a boat, it has a max speed because if you go above that, that speed, it'll sink under its own wake. If you didn't know. Really? Yeah. Is it <laughs> like so, impossible to make it go faster than that? Or is it just, you, you, you need like a powerful engine that kind of like, then it goes into hydroplaning. It's like, uh, and then it skims along the top. But if yeah. you've got a boat that pushes water, if you push too much water out from with under it, the just back wave, back wave will become too big that it'll just sink. Yeah, it'll suck it down. That's pretty nasty. Yeah, you've got to be careful with that. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what situation that was. There's weird things that they're, they're like, people seem to forget in the modern age. Like, you know, the um, wind cones, you've got the red and white wind cones. Yeah, we've got a few of them up around here because it's quite windy on the road sometimes. Yeah, do you know that that's actually a measuring device and that each section is a speed? Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I wind no cones. So I think, I can't remember what it, what it is, but it's like the first section is um, three knots of speed. So that's about uh, 3.5 kilometer, uh, miles an hour, sorry. Uh, then the red and white section, the next one, is 7 miles an hour. Three sections, 10 miles an hour. Four sections, 14 miles an hour. And if you've got the full five, it means it's above 17 miles per hour. Yeah, that's mad. <laughs> yeah, just be, people forget we we created these really, really good technologies <laughs> really in the past. Really good that tools. Like, yeah, really simple. Yeah, um, I thought they were there just to... So they're, they're visible. Not that they actually had any specific <laughs> measurement kind of stuff going on there. Yeah, I know. That's wild. That's why they can be like, oh, yeah, it's like a 10 mile an hour easily 
speed because they go, oh, okay, it's, it's three three sections and it's facing that way. That honestly, that's blown my mind. <laughs> that's, that's one of those things that'll just stay with you, and you'll be like, useless fact coming in. Yeah, there's 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 a few different types as well of those wind socks. There's one where there's like a metal uh, disc that's around the pole. And depending on how much the sock is being pulled, it will pull the disc up. Okay. Because obviously the more tension is being pulled on the the string, there's two strings, one at the top, one at the bottom. Yeah. And obviously as it's being pulled out, the smaller disc gets pulled up the pole because of the, the forces acting upon it. Right. And then up the pole is like a speed written, like 10, 5, 15, 20, 25, oh, 30, cool. 40... So then, as it gets pulled further away, that disc goes higher up, so you can see what it is. That's mad. Simple, simple things that people, were, like scientists, just be like, bosh out, and you're like, that's incredible. Although, well done you, well done you. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's so clever. Why yeah. didn't we think of that before? It's like, oh, I've been around for 150 <laughs> years. We did. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, this is next week's episode. Yeah, wins. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Why do boats float, mate? What is it? What's the what is the the force? I think the they just force? found what really gets them going. You know. Yeah. And they're like, what is it? This floats me. Um, buoyancy. Or. Buoyancy. <laughs> <laughs> up thrust. Oh, up thrust. Of course, it also, the classic. It could, also, it could also be called up thrust. Which is an upward force exerted by fluids that oppose the weight, opposes the weight of a partially or fully immersed object. In a column of fluid, pressure increases with depth as a result of the weight of the overlying fluid. Thus, the pressure at the bottom of the column of fluid is greater than that of the top of the column. Similarly, the pressure at the bottom of the, ob- the object submerged in a fluid is greater than that of the top. The pressure difference results in a net upward force on the object. The magnitude of the force is proportional to the pressure difference and explained by Archimedes' principle, which we'll go on to a second, is equivalent to the weight of the fluid that would otherwise occupy the submerged volume of the object, i.e. the displaced fluid. For this reason, an object whose average density is greater than that of the of the fluid in which it's submerged tends to sink. If the object is less dense than the liquid, the force will keep the object afloat. This can only occur only in a non-inertial reference frame. It either has a gravitational field or is accelerating due to the force other than gravity defining a downward direction. So not in space. So not in space. Right, uh, okay. Yeah, so we'll get on. I did, it. I did find a section on water in space. The center of buoyancy of an object is the centroid of the displaced volume of liquid. Slash fluid. Because fluid is a better term than liquid. Yeah, that's fair. When so that the, the point of center buoyancy where it may balance around is the point of central displacement yeah is that correct that's correct yes i'm trying to wrap my head around this visually after ignoring physics for 28 years uh 29 now even yeah um i did a level did you yeah oh how'd that go didn't pass it but i did it i was there (laughs) it's like me and maths (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i was also i was also there for maths did I pass it? No, but I was there. Yeah, I was there for a little bit. I think I just gave up uh, after the first term. And look at me now, using maths every day. <laughs> Fun times. 
I always say that to, I know it's like, it doesn't stymie myself during like job interviews and stuff. Um, but I always have to explain that I actually failed GCSE um, ICT, which is <laughs> IT. Uh, Did you? If you, if you? if you don't know, I, I work in a very, <laughs> I've worked in very IT heavy environments, being an IT technician for four years, then a information analyst, and then <laughs> a cybersecurity analyst. <laughs> How, yeah. how how did how did that happen? I so feel like that's something when, you would just pass without even studying. No, so back in the, back in back in back in tech day, back in when they would day. when they would they did IT. There was IT and there was business studies, and they did the, the what they thought was smart and combined them. So IT wasn't actually IT; it was IT and business studies, but they called it IT. And when I joined and did it, it was the first time I've ever. Not like Rage Against the Machine, but I was like, this isn't IT. Um, I tried my best, but then there was a teacher who I'm not going to put on blast with names specifically, uh, lost all of our work. And then was just like, yeah, you failed. We're like, what? He's like, yeah, you lost all your work. And we're just like, what? What do you mean? That's sad. Yeah. So failed. Failed GCSE IT. Oh, fair. Well, but I got A's and A's and A's and maths and science and stuff. So that's all that really what they care about. Easy peasy. Yeah, I, I feel like people know know back then. Anyway, <laughs> was uh, IT was just a bit of a, a shit show, wasn't it? Yeah, the thing, wasn't I, it? I don't know if it is really now good. or not, but um, no, it's a bit more interesting now because they do like three D printing and stuff. Oh and, my like, lord! Design. What? Yeah, so um, do you know I used to work at a wonderful place called South Devon College. They opened oh, up a new yeah. building. It <laughs> um, actually actually was a really good place. Uh, a to work and B for students to go. They opened up a whole new building, and the way that they they opened it up was really really intelligent. It was like they had the layout of the building was like the the pipe flow of like a start to finish of like designing and creating a project. Okay. So you you would go through like yeah like project management and then into like three D design and then into which you would also have like working with clients and stuff into the actual like three printing, um like testing and it would it but the layout of the building was from start to finish or from one end to the other. So everyone was kind of next to the people they needed to be communicating with. Yeah, and you would like when you learned you then went down the building. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was really, really clever. But that's what they do now. They do now, like using like, I'm not gonna say they're they're teaching um quantum computing in, you know, trade schools. But you know, it's it's a higher level than what I One got. One day, yeah, <laughs> I got on the job training. I was there working. <laughs> that's learning life experience. About IT. Yeah, nothing, nothing beats life experience. I did my time <laughs> as an IT technician. I did my time. I did my time, and I want out. Yeah, that's essentially why I went to university. <laughs> Honestly, fair enough. Yeah, I don't think anyone blames you for that. Yeah. Um. Right. Floating but stuff. Archimedes Wait. principle. Yeah. I'll. I'll. It's, this is as a statement. The upward buoyant force that is exerted on a body of immersed in a fluid, whether fully or partially submerged, is equal to the weight of that fluid, and that body is displaced. Archimedes principles are the law of physics, fundamentals for the mechanics. And it was formulated by Archimedes of Syracuse. Syracuse? Syracuse. Oh, Syracuse. Is that what it is? Maybe. 
Yeah. I, I've never seen it written down, only pronounced, so <laughs> I guess could be wrong. S-Y-R-A-C-U-S-E. I'd say Syracuse. Um, is that how they pronounced it? Probably not. Um, probably not, no. Is that a British whitewashing <laughs> of it? Probably. British so. battleization <laughs> of it. Yeah. Classic. Oh, squeaky um, door, Tom. Squeaky door. Yeah. <laughs> it was suspenseful. Um, <laughs> Do you realize we were doing a horror episode? Yeah, it's actually just very ominous. I have these effects going on, uh, just in case we ever come up with a scary topic. Like oh. Archimedes Principle. Yeah, terrifying. Don't want to come across that in school. Yeah, without um, it, all boats are going to be sunk, though, mate. Well, this is true. Um, is it... So, the weight of the object is equal to the weight of displacement the upward buoyant force that exerted on a body immersed in a fluid whether partially or fully submerged is equal to the weight of the fluid that the body displaces that's equal why if the you're trying of the fluid that the boat is displacing so yeah, the boat that's why has to displace if... the same amount of water that it weighs to float yeah which is why you can work out the mass of an object by Placing it into a bucket of water and work and recording how much water is displaced from it. Oh, well, if you like, fill the water up to the top. To the top. Yeah, have you not, you not done that to work out the mass? No. Yeah. So you fill. Say that you got a um like a jug, like a measuring jug of water. Yeah. And you want to know how much you know water is displaced by it. You put the object into it. And obviously the water comes over the top and you put it out then you can work out the volume or mass. That's pretty nifty. Yeah. Just, simple science things that we learned at school that just well, carry, carry I did. Oh, mate. Or just repress that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Equally likely. Um, okay, cool. And Boyle's Law, which I was on about, it's the opposite, is uh, once you sink... Good luck. <laughs> That's to do with, that is to do with buoyancy, but once you're underwater. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fun time. That's uh, scuba diving stuff right there. Yeah, it's, it's calculating the mass of an object by using water displacement. And there's a there's a density formula that you can use depending on what uh, the uh, metal is, if there's metal in it that you're using. Oh. Or any any object has a density thing that you can work out. Right. And it's density equals mass over volume, if you didn't know. That is... Uh, one of those triangles. Yeah, one of those triangles. So you can work out that mass equals... Um, I don't know. Is it displacement or density? I can't remember. Uh, and then it's, it's M equals D times V, because you just rearranged that yeah. triangle. Oh, there we go. That was I, I imagine it's density. <laughs> Not GCSE. That, that was GCSE science. Because we had like those uh, tubes and you put like metal balls in it and then you'd be like, ah, yes, it's moved. I don't remember that. I, I did triple science. Yeah, so did I. Did you? Yeah. I was in the other class. That, do you remember at school, there was two science classes that were on the same time and they were like, across from each other yeah but we're in different buildings yeah used to give you daggers the whole time yeah so i wondered why i always had a burning in the back of my head it's you <laughs> through the window yeah 
Because there was one one A and one B, and then everyone was like, no, one A is the best. And like, no, they're both first sets. And like, yeah, but one A is better because it's A. Yeah, just classic. Yeah. I remember, like, it's the, the, this is an issue that I've had, and I will I will continue to argue it from the hilltops about top sets and things. They cheat, they, they cheat because they teach you the shortcuts that makes it easier, whereas lower sets, they don't. And this is especially accurate for maths. Yeah. Like maths at the top set, they teach you all like teach you like the shortcuts, the quick way of doing things, like the fancy way of doing things that you can just be like, oh yeah, no, if this and if you do this, this, this equals this. Um From one and from one point yeah. of view, I get it, because they're like, Oh, we, we want you to understand the principle of why you're doing this and we you need to understand what's going on here. And then the other point of view, I'm like, fine, but if I get the correct answer <laughs> And I know the situations to use it in, and I understand what what the output is and the inputs are. Mm. Isn't that still understanding it in a different way, even if I can use a shortcut? Yeah, I uh, mean now I just use coding. Uh, I, just, I don't do anything. Myself, <laughs> that's true. You know, he had a guy. Um, I'm going to write his name if you see if you if you remember him, because I don't want to dox anybody. Yeah, uh, is, is that how you? Yeah. It's yeah, not, right. but I know exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was in our maths class, right? Um, yeah. Very high functioning uh, uh, on the spectrum. Very yeah. much so. Like, you could tell even that those days, because you're like, well, why is he so weird? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, would uh, have like sensory overloads and stuff. Um, and he was one of those people that just did the, the, the like the, the maths in his head, but like not like simple maths, like did ridiculously hard maths and just would just be like look at the board, point and just answer it. And you're like, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> how have you done that? Like, how have you done that? He's like, I don't know. Just you know, it's just this, this, this. And you're like, right, okay, this is this is A level maths. Don't be like, yeah, it's this, this, and this, mate. Yeah, and especially back then when we weren't, especially down in Devon, you know, <laughs> speaking about. <laughs> these kinds of uh let's say spectrumy things we weren't that aware right um yeah. so when you have a kid there who's like ah oh, it's this and then you're trying to be like yeah but why and they can't tell you it's just it, it just is mm-hmm. um that could be disheartening <laughs> yeah uh definitely he just built different in a different kind of sense oh yeah no fair play to him yeah absolutely a great skill to have yeah, I was like, those kinds of people from your school, would you like try and like see where they are? Just go onto LinkedIn, just be like, I wonder if they're like doing stuff. Uh, you need a, what do you call it? A cheeky spy? It's not a spy, is it? Oh, private investigator. No, well, you like Facebook stalking. That's it. I knew it was some weird term. Well, do you know, just there's an individual that we're talking about. Still friends with more on our Facebook. Let's go. Oh, there go we go. I can just go, just go see what's going. What's up? Go do that. Yeah. Cool. I'll go, I'll bring this back to water. Yeah. Yeah, mate. Let's, let's, let's we'll do that. we'll bring this back on topic. Let's do and, that. And uh, as I said at the top of the show, water is quite strange. Um, normally, as I say, hopefully it's in most of our lives, but compared to other planets, water is incredibly common here. Compared to other liquids, water is actually quite odd. And there's there's three main areas that uh, cover this. So uh, the solvent of life, water has been known as, or otherwise the universal solvent. Now a solvent is something in which another compound 
molecule element can dissolve into. And many things can dissolve into water, which is not true for all liquids. And this mainly comes from the polarity that we spoke about earlier. Um, because the molecule has one slightly more negative side and slightly more positive side, a lot of molecules in the wild, <laughs> in the wild, um, are polar themselves. You know, it's not often that you, you get perfect molecules that are nonpolar. That's, I, th I want to say that's more of a synthetic thing. I'm sure there's some chemists out there absolutely crying right now. Um, but that means when they come into contact with water, they're able to interact with them a lot more easily um, because of these hydrogen bonds. Water also has a high specific heat capacity. So this means it can absorb or release a significant amount of energy without undergoing large temperature changes. So this is why when you have a cup of tea or coffee, it doesn't go instantly cold. It actually maintains that heat for a while. If, for example, you were heating up uh, alcohol, okay, it's water-based, but even just having the alcoholic agents in there, it just evaporates immediately because it has no specific heat capacity at all. Um, and it cools down really quickly as well. Um, that's actually why alcohol tends to last longer cold as well, uh, mm -hmm. beverages as well. Um, and this helps regulate Earth's climate as water can absorb heat from the sun during the day and release it at night. It's why Earth's temperature is mainly stable uh, throughout day and night cycles. And also high surface tension. So water has a high surface tension that Mitch spoke about earlier when he was describing wet things. Um, and that arises from the cohesive forces and helps water move through narrow, narrow capillaries and plants. And yeah, water is just very odd. Again, alcohol is a quite a good example to use for this. Yeah, let's say you've got some, for those of you who are over 18 or 21, depending on which country you're in, you've got a spirit in the house, let's say a 40%er or more. Um, <laughs> like you a said spirit. I was like, well, like a ghost. Yeah, Casper's <laughs> chilling. <laughs> Casper's chilling around. you got some vodka in the house. Pour it on a plate or something and then pour some water next to it and you'll see how differently they behave. Okay, it's not going to be like insanely massive as if it was like pure ethanol, right? But um, <laughs> they, they do behave differently and water tension is just such a massive component of what makes water water and why it's so odd sticks to things. It will move up plants passively through capillary action and things like that. But I think one of the most interesting things is ice. Do you like ice? What's your thoughts on ice? Ray of one to ten. Um, I feel I feel like I've been thrown in, the, in again into the deep end. <laughs> they're asking my opinion on ice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Hey. 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 Um, I mean, I don't have a time to go into everything to do with ice here. But one of the most strange things is. If you think on a, on a what you're taught in school, when something's at room temperature, let's uh, it's not always the case, but let's just take take a metal. When something's at room temperature, um, the atoms inside that molecule have a little bit of kinetic energy. They're bouncing around a little bit, but not bouncing around a lot. When you heat them up, the atoms bounce around more. They smack into each other, um, and more space because they're bouncing around more, there's more space between each atom. 
something expands. Happens. Yes. Right. So if you think about old pipes in a house, when they get hot, they expand. When they get cooler, the opposite happens. They lose the kinetic energy and they contract. Water is one of the few things that does the opposite. So when it's heated, it still does the water molecules get more energy. They expand, uh, eventually turning into a gas. Steam, that's what we call uh, the gaseous state of water. But when it gets colder, it expands again. And that's quite rare. So this is why if you leave, okay. let's say, uh, a beverage in the freezer and Heavy. you forget to take it out, yeah, you got it's a tinny right. in there and then you, you hear a loud bang and you wonder what that is and your beer's exploded all over the fridge. This would be why. Um, <laughs> so the structure of ice. In the liquid state, water molecules are constantly moving and interacting with each other. However, when it cools and approaches the freezing point, they slow down and the hydrogen bonds, because the water molecules aren't moving, they're not constantly breaking, the hydrogen bonds become more prominent. And because of the hydrogen bonds, the water molecules arrange themselves into a hexagonal lattice structure. This structure of ice forms when all the ice water molecules are surrounded by four other water molecules, creating open spaces or voids inside the lattice structure. Mm -hmm. So what this does is forces each individual atom away from each other, in turn making it less dense. The atoms in the, in the solid state are further apart from each other than they are in the liquid state, making it less dense, which is why ice floats on water. And in most other materials, the solid version sinks in the liquid version. Mm -hmm. So again, it's one of those things that for us, we see day to day and we're like, oh, that's fairly normal. But actually, it's quite an odd phenomenon in the, the universe. Um, and I mean, that completely is the whole reason why we have polar ice caps. You think about the Arctic, you know, there's actually no landmass there. It's just ice floating. Well, that just wouldn't be the case unless this you know, water had this very specific pro property. Yeah. So as the temperature drops below four degrees Celsius, that's when the hydrogen bonds becomes more stable and rigid and moving further and further apart from each other. Um, and then there's a thing called packing efficiency, which is basically just saying the hexagonal structure is one of the more like, solid forms you can get in a crystalline uh, crystalline structure. But there are different ways you can freeze ice to get like ice that is completely transparent, you know, like they use in ice sculptures. Uh, compared to ice you get out of your freezer has normally got a bit of yeah, white in the middle of it. Boil it, isn't it? Yeah, you can boil it, get rid of the impurities. You can flash yeah. freeze. You can freeze at a slower rate as well. Um, and surprisingly, and I, I, this is just a news that I get every so often, is they keep discovering new phases of ice, um, even to the point where they think if you have ice in a very certain um, structure, it may be a new type of like matter that's specific only to water. Um, but I didn't go in on that because it wasn't enough time. <laughs> I don't um, and yeah, I was not going on. a bit too complicated for me to even wrap my head around, let alone explain it to people. Uh, but that's out there. So we can put a link to that somewhere if people that are interested. Out, it's out there in the world. Out there in the yeah, world. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, ice. Bit strange. Ice. Anybody? Ice. <laughs> Anybody? No? Ice. ice. 
Yeah. Bloody hell, Little Britain. What was that show? Um, what else you got there, mate? We're coming up to the hour. We are coming up to the hour. You yeah. could thumb something in if you wanted. <laughs> um, War in Space. Oh, yes. The Existential Dread. Yep. Scary stuff. It Scary is. Stuff. Uh, like, International Space Station? Loads of water. Plenty of gravity. Um which is 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 scary it's scary to think about it is isn't it uh yeah, yeah i guess it's like fire right one of the, the one of the one things you don't want just appearing in space is water like fire yeah. uncontrollable it goes around like a little ball you want to contain that stuff water you kind of need it but if like a few droplets escape and you don't catch them and they just end up in a circuit or something yeah, they have to be really, really careful as well because of the way that, as you talked about, surface tension is a very like water special thing. In space, they have to be careful, like when they're drinking or like washing, because if they're not, uh, it will just stick to their faces and then they'll drown. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, because there's no... It's difficult to get the, the tension off of, you know, their face. Because if it's on their face and it sticks to their hands, how are you supposed to, like, actually move it down? And they've got special cloths, essentially, that they sh- they use to wash. Oh, I'm the- watching a video of this now. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Hadfield has, done, has shown this experiment exactly. Uh, he's got a bottle of water that he's spraying into a cloth. Um, and then he's wringing it out. Yeah. Uh, what's terrifying, though, is a lot of water droplets are just flinging off into the ISS. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess it must be somewhat protected. But you can just see all the water just aggregates around his hands and the the cloth. So you can imagine if that's your face, you'd have to drink real quick. Yeah, they've got a special like jug that, because of the way that it's built, it's, it's so crazy, the technology. Um because of the way that it's built, uh, it funnels the water, even though there's no gravity and it's very difficult to funnel, into one specific area. Okay. Yeah, that's crazy. Crazy stuff. There's crazy stuff going on. But there's a scene in... Um... It's like a glove. It's just sticking <laughs> to his hand. Like a glove. Yeah. <laughs> There is a scene in, I can't remember what the movie's called, but it's got Chris Pratt and... Passengers. Passengers, Jennifer Lawrence. And yeah. she's swimming in a large pool on the bit of their big space station. Uh, and uh, it, the gravity fails. Yeah. And then she's like, just taken up into the space above the swimming pool with the water. Can't breathe. Um, yeah. Just could be careful. Pretty terrifying Who stuff. Who puts a sport uh, a pool on a spaceship? That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Without realizing that there's going to be a need to drain it at some point if there is this event, like the safety protocols were not obviously thought about that much. What if the algae got in? Like, surely because there was only meant to be Chris Pratt alive, ma- manning the ship at the time, right? No, he wasn't supposed to be alive, manning the ship. Oh, was at the he time. not? No, there there was a malfunction on oh, his that sleeper. Was it. Um, as well, well as the captain sleeper, and then the whole story, the whole crux of the story is that he woke her up. 
Yeah. Then he shouldn't have. Because she was then essentially... Kind of problematic, problematic. sexist, uh, plot beginning there. Interesting concept in terms of two people stuck alone in a ship. Uh, But those are the complaints I've heard against it. Just a man deciding to ruin a woman's life because he thought she was hot. Essentially, yeah, that, that's, that's um, the plot. Essentially, that's the plot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, what I don't get is why they decided to have the pool full of water when no one was awake. And they weren't meant to be awake for hundreds of years. <clears throat> that's true. Maybe she filled it. Okay, yeah. I guess I'll suspend my disbelief for they, they, they figured out how to <laughs> turn the pool on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe yeah. she was just like, I'll just turn the tap on and just wait. Got the hose out and just waited <laughs> a long time just to fill it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, fair. Um, so, yeah, if you want to unlock a new existential dread, passengers. <laughs> passengers. Right. We're over the hour. We so, I guess that'll bring us to a wrap. Don't forget to share this with your friends, families, coworkers, scientists, water lovers. Um, if you want <laughs> more... <laughs> More information, fun, science, you can head on over to Twitter and TikTok at InvertibrePod, Instagram, Information Pod, and of course, whichever directory you're listening to this on right now, if you give us a follow, like, rating, comment, whatever it is, we appreciate it absolutely massively, even if that is some constructive criticism taking you back to school there. Um, anything else to add for you, mate? No. All right. Awesome sauce. Yeah. We'll catch you guys then next week with the next element. Yeah. Well, what are we going for next? Oh, decisions. Yeah. Well, we said wind would be next episode, so I feel like we should commit to that now. When we were talking about wind socks. Wind socks. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll 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 bring uh, Avatar Ang back into the fold. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's, that's, that's good that is it's good yeah um good. in the meantime think about which element you guys w- would rather control fire earth wind water and uh we can have that discussion next next week yeah all right catch you guys on the flip Peace. indeed cheese bye Nothing out.